morning. Good morning. I'm Adam. For those of you who don't know me, I am uh, I'm the intern here at the gathering. I get the opportunity to come and serve along with the staff here at the church. And quite often I'm given the opportunity to be able to come up and share a message that God has given me. And uh, so it just so happened that today, February 26th, is the, is the opportunity I get to come and speak this message to you guys. So I want you to be thinking about things going on in your life, right? We all go through rough situations, rough circumstances. I was, uh, I mean, I've, I've got friends at the moment that have a child in NICU, so you can be praying for that, but there's like, there's always someone going through something, right, in our life, whether it be you, whether it be a friend, just someone in your life is always going through a rough situation. And so, this week I've been thinking about those, those rough situations and the needs that we have because of them, like the needs that someone has because of the circumstances they're going through. And in fact, like, we have, we're in church, so the simple church answer is the need that we have for Jesus because we need a Savior to save us from our sins. But I've, I've been thinking about this Battle Ready series and about what, what goes on in battle and how everyone in battle needs something. And I've been thinking about our spiritual battle that we're going through and what do, what do we need what weapons do we need other than the weapons that we've already looked at? And so today we're going to look at Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. So I want you guys to go ahead and get to that passage. It may be a little hard to find, but uh, go to the front of your Bible. You'll be able to find it. And if you've got the Bible app, it's the easiest thing to do. You just scroll down to the E's and there you go. But today we're going to be looking at the weapon of biblical community, right? Now, you hear a lot of us here at the gathering speak about community. And we're always, when we use the term community, we're always speaking about biblical community. But as I begin to think about what community was, I realized that we need as a church to make sure that we define this weapon of biblical community. Because... There's other types of community. If you go to a college campus, look at their athletic program, they have athletic housing for student athletes because they want those student athletes to have the same mindset that, they, that everyone's supposed to have. They want to make their school's name great by the athletic program they're a part of. So if you're a part of the basketball program, they want you to make the name on the front of the jersey more important than the name on the back of the jersey. They want them to be in a community of like-minded people. So they put them all in the same housing. And that way they're all focused on our team's going to be better than this program. And so it's kind of a competition level. But in these communities, oftentimes you see that attitudes and goals change. Maybe not so much in athletic programs, but I won't, I mean... Think about your work week, right? You get that one day a week, it's like, man, work's going great. I'm going to go home and clean the house, do a couple loads of laundry, and cook a great dinner. Well, it doesn't take you long after you get home. Maybe you go to the restroom, you turn on the TV for five minutes or whatever, and you quickly realize, I care nothing about doing those two loads of laundry, and takeout's much easier than cooking this nice dinner. 
Like our attitudes, our goals for that evening change in a matter of seconds, right? We're just sitting there and they can change. And so I begin to think about, well, if my community and my attitude can change so quickly, what is the difference between community and biblical community? And so I, I was reading this week in 1 John 1, 7. This is, this is the definition of biblical community. And it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So this is a passage speaking to fellow Christians. If we are in the light as he is the light, if we're walking as Christ, if we're being imitators of Christ as he is the light, as he is the one that is showing us the way, then we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another because we're all walking in the same light, right? And so we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, we are all as believers cleansed by the same blood, the, the sacrifice of Christ that saves each and every one of us. And that brings us into a community of believers, right? You, when you realize that the sacrifice of Christ makes us a biblical community, you, you begin to see these walls and these doors as temporary things. And you begin to realize that the Presbyterian church, the Lutheran church, Vortex on the other side, the growing family church out here on 73, you realize that these are just physical locations of our biblical community, right? They're just another aspect to the body of believers that is those who are saved by the blood of Christ. And so I began to realize from that passage that the, the sacrifice of Christ is not temporary. It is eternal. That's why God did it. He himself, the eternal being, was the one that came and offered himself as the eternal sacrifice for all to be covered but those who are choosing to accept him, right? And so today we're going to look at biblical community as a weapon. We've got three aspects, three acts that biblical community commits on our behalf, on our eternal behalf. And that's the big idea today. Biblical community acts on our eternal behalf. It's not a temporary thing. Biblical community may do temporary physical things, but it acts on our eternal behalf. And so I want you to get that. So let's read Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. And it says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. When he falls, he has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So as I was reading this passage, thinking about biblical community... I begin to think about the lies that we experience from Satan, right? And so there's, there's a lot of lies that we can experience from Satan that speaks to biblical community. 
For instance, the, the first lie and a lot of lies that we hear a lot of times, especially in our church because we put forth the opportunity to experience biblical community, is that you don't need biblical community, right? I, I can't tell you how many times I've thought about my, my battle, my fight that I'm going through and thought, man, I don't need anyone else. God, just give me the strength to carry it, to carry it, shoulder it, put it on my back. I don't need to bother anybody else with it, right? Like, and that's, that's, a, that's a form of pride because it's saying, I can do it. I can shoulder this pain. I don't need anyone else. And so, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry it. And what happens is eventually we get crushed and we realize we do need help. And so then we experience community. But, you know, after Satan plants that lie, he tries to pervert our thoughts about community, right? And so a lot of people think Satan's creative, but he's really just a big pervert, right? He perverts what God has created for good and makes it evil. And so God created biblical community, and Satan tries to pervert it and say, man, if you go to biblical, if you go to this community group, if you get involved in this church, they're going to judge you. They're going to look at you and say, Adam, what you've done is too grave. We can't accept you here. You need to move on. And so he tries to, he tries to lie to you and get you to think that you're not good enough to experience community. And there's, he, he tries to lie to you and tell you there's going to be judgment. And then if he, if he can't keep you from going to community, he's going to lie to you and tell you that the type of community you're in is not that important. So, like, as a church, we've been reading the screw tape letters, and it's been great devotionals, right? Well, there was the one devotion that I remember reading, and it spoke to, screw tape was speaking to Wormwood, saying, if you can't keep your patient from desiring to be in a relationship, force him into a relationship that'll be good for our sake, not for God's sake. And so, that was another lie that I noticed, you know, Satan, if he can't keep us from community, he's going to try and put you in a community that's beneficial for himself, not for the kingdom of God. And then, one of the, one of the final lies that I, I remember hearing and believing is that biblical community is going to be easy. Who's ever had an easy time with biblical community? Oh, sweet. Everybody's honest. No one, right? Like, it is hard to be among a bunch of people. It's even harder when you think you have the right options and you're like, this is the way we should do it. And somebody's like, no, this is the way we should do it. Like, we can all relate to that. But if we're stuck on the temporary things, we're going to be jacked up. Biblical com community is going to be a waste. We're going to fall into the lie that it should be easy, and we're going to go find somebody that's just like us, and then we're still not going to get along. And then we're going to move somewhere else and try and find someone that's just like us again, and then we're not going to get along. So today, I want us to look at biblical community as a weapon that acts on our eternal behalf. Not that not that acts on the temporary, but acts on our eternal behalf so that we can see God moving through them and through us in them together as a community focused on fighting together. And so the first act we see from Ecclesiastes 4 
verse 10 is the fact that biblical community corrects. Biblical community corrects. And so in verse 10 it says, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Right? So how many people have watched a little kid running around anywhere? They inevitably run really fast and somehow fall and they get their arms stretched way out. And for like five seconds they're laying there. And they're like, I don't know how to react. And you got that one guy, which is my dad, and he's like, safe! And the kid's like, okay. And then you've got that other parent that's like, oh, come here, come here. And as soon as they pick him up, like, the kid starts crying, and you're like, no, don't do that. But then, you, I mean, you've got all these different types of parents. And I, I, mean, I, I fail all the time, which probably explains a lot, but that's besides the point. But... My parents would be like, safe. And I remember just like, yeah. Like, just laying there. I'm good. I'm good. I'm safe. But I, I, ha I knew I had them there because they were there to pick me back up. Like, no parent just says safe and lets them lay there. They're like, you're good. Come on, let's, let's get up and keep going again. They pick you up and they help you to continue on walking. And so... I, I look at that the same way in the scripture. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But biblical community corrects. It helps us see where we fail. And so this week I was able to go to the rock climbing gym with Mr. Richard. And that was a lot of fun. It was really a lot of fun. It's painful, but a lot of fun. You have to wear all these uncomfortable harness and ropes. And Mr. Richard doesn't let you down sometimes. But... So, like, we're going up the, I'm going up this wall, and I'm trying to get it, and, like, we've been climbing for a few hours. My arms are just dead, not that strong, getting really tired, and Richard's like, just grab it. Grab this one at your right, and I'm like, I can't even pull myself to the wall, and it's just, it's really bad. So, like, I'm, I'm getting there, and my hands are just slipping, and then I fall off, right? Well, I've got this rope attached to me, and this harness that's pulling me up. And Richard's just holding me, like, he's holding me, and it's really painful. And I'm like, Richard, let me down. And he's like, no, get back on the wall. And so I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so I, I get back to the wall, and I'm there. And he's like, all right, now I want you to look. He's like, move your right foot here. Put your weight there. Put your arm there and point, like, all this stuff to make it sound all great and to get me where I'm supposed to be. And what happens is, although my body is physically wore out, I get to the spot where I'm trying to be. And I, I've been thinking about that and about this. Richard has been through this. He's had someone who caught him when he fell, who picked him up, holding him by the rope and said, all right, now get back on the wall, hold on to it, and do this. Move this way. Pull yourself up in this fashion. They, they taught him the correct form. And I think that in, when it comes to biblical community, we need that type of people. We need people who are willing to say, Adam, look, you fell this way. 
you've hit the ground and it hurts. But you need to pick yourself up. You need to get up. I'm going to help you get up. And you need to, to walk this way to make it, the right, make it to the right path. And I was like, you know, that's, that is awesome because I need these, these people in my life. I don't have all the answers. Like, Scripture's right here, and it tells us how we should live our lives. But I still screw up. I'm, I'm like the biggest screw up, and it's really easy for me just to fail. But that's when you have these people from Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And it says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you say the day drawing near. People who love and stir you to do good works are people who are looking out for you. They're a biblical community there to help correct you. Now look, you may be saying, what are they correcting? Well, think about the lies that we're told, right? If, if I'm looking at biblical community as a weapon and Satan's telling me that I can shoulder the pain, I can carry all the weight and I don't need anybody else, we all know that's not true. I mean... When's the last time you've seen a family go to a funeral and not have anybody show up? Right? Even if you don't know the person that died, you're there to support the family member that you do know. We have community in ways that we don't even think about. I mean, you have community because you live close together. We have community because we believe together. And there is something greater about that than there is about living together like we have more in common than just being humans because we have a savior who died to save us and when we think that we're the ones that have to shoulder it God sends biblical people biblical community to come in and say hold on Adam you don't need to put that on by yourself you don't have to shoulder that weight let's correct your thought there's a group of people here to help carry that burden to help walk you through this path and so I was I was thinking about how how it happens and how biblical community encourages us and I came across this really cool clip and so we're gonna watch a really great scene from a really well it's a good series I don't know if this is the best movie but it's Rocky Balboa so let's see that let's see this clip so it's not how hard you can hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, right? That's a great saying if you're in a fight. Like, I love that scene because what it makes me want to do is it makes me want to go to the, the gym down here and get some gloves and put a mouthpiece in and just knock around with a few people, right? Like that's, that's how this, this scene makes me feel because the dad here, Sylvester Stallone Rocky, is saying to his son, look, you're not a coward. A coward is someone who finds a reason to blame someone for all the problems in their life. But that's not you. Right? So this is a father-son community group. And the father's saying, look, that's not you. He's correcting him. Right? And sometimes that correction is painful. Sometimes that correction means you sit across from a table from people that you love and respect and you tell them hard things that they don't want to hear. 
Sometimes that means you're on the phone with someone that you trust and they tell you things that you don't want to hear because you're going through something that you can't bear alone, right? But this father, he's looking at his son saying, look, this is not who you are. And that's where we've got to get to. We've got to have biblical community who's coming to speak life to us. Now, that one line, it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's great for a fight, right? But we're in a battle. So, what does that mean? Is there a difference between a fight and a battle? Absolutely. A fight is something where I come up to someone and I'm like, hey, let's fight. But a battle is where you go together with someone else and you stand up against another force who is trying to attack you. It's not a one-on-one me versus you. It's a band of brothers against another army. And that doesn't mean that you don't go through those situations where one person's going into a house to check one area and I'm going to another to check this area. But it means that I know what you're going through. I know what my, counter, what my, my partner's going through over here. I can hear them, I can speak to them, and I can share the truth of life with them at any given moment. But they also know the same about me. They know the pain I'm going through. They know the struggle that is real. They know the battle that's within, and they're there to speak life. They're there to say, Adam, this is not you. This is an attack of the enemy. This is not you. They're there to lift up. They're there to lift you up, to tell you to love, to show you to love, to teach you to do good things. As Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says. And then Proverbs 7, 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Man. So I love this Forged in Fire show. We, I watch it all the time and I'm like trying to get into making knives myself. It's just a lot of fun it looks like. And I've had, my, I've had my opportunity to try it, so I'm really excited. But one thing that they do is they, they sharpen the knives. They, they get them, they forge them, and it's just this piece of steel that has to be ground down until it's sharp. But what's happening is they're grinding off the imperfections, the pieces that will dull the blade, that will make it useless, so that it'll be sharp and ready. They're correcting what's wrong with the blade and making it right so that it can be used for what its purpose is made and that's the same way that biblical community is a weapon for us in in our eternal beings because we have these imperfections these impurities within us that cause us to be less useful for the kingdom of God like pride saying I can shoulder this battle alone that's an impurity that's an imperfection that has to be taken off that has to be stripped away and that's what That's what God uses biblical community to do. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but it's easier to identify the speck in a neighbor's eye than it is to identify the plank that's in my own. Because we're so critical of others, but we've come to terms with what we've done. But biblical community helps correct that thought so that we can see what the plank is in our own eyes so that we can take it out and then we can better help others. But I've understood the issue with all of this, with biblical community correction, being correcting, biblical community correcting us, right? We're so full of ourselves that when that happens, we, get, we allow Satan to take a foothold. Like, 
Now, I can tell you, I'm one of the world's worst at it. But when I get critique, I'm like, dang it. Because I'm a perfectionist. I want to be the best. And so I want to be the best of the best. Like if I'm playing basketball, I want to be better than Michael Jordan. Not going to happen. But that's what I want. But that is my mentality. And so when someone says, Adam, you're doing this wrong, it takes a lot for me to get over that hump. It takes a lot for my pride to just say, okay, God, am I really, am I really looking at this the wrong way? But when, when God speaks and shows that this biblical community is there, I'm comforted by the fact that other people are looking out for my eternal being. But if I don't allow God to speak to me and show me where I've been wrong, then I've given Satan a foothold. And that's what Satan is trying to do many times when community tries to correct. He's trying to slide himself in there so that he can, he can make a way to say, no, nah, you're, you're not really wrong. He's like, dude, you're so good. You, can, you got this. And he's trying to feed us these lies. But that's where Satan's trying to live because he's trying to just squeeze into the crack and make it bigger. But... We have to rely on God and this biblical community to correct. And then we get to experience this other act of biblical community. And that is that biblical community comforts. So if we go back to Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says, And again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? So not to 21st centurize the Bible, but... For us, warmth and coolness are a luxury, right? We have the luxury of either being hot or cold, of being lukewarm. But we, we, have, we have so equated temperatures and luxury to necessity that it's even true about our faith, right? We can be hot Christians. I, there's... Cold Christians are non-believers, right? And then you got lukewarm Christians. Again, we've equated this luxury with necessity, but in reality, it's a it's a comfort given by God. Warmth is a is a feeling of security, right? It helps us to feel like we are belonging there. And so when when you think about this verse, it says how can one keep warm alone? You can't do it. Like it's in utter coldness. Like you can't, you can't keep warm alone. You just, you freeze. That's why in the great Star Wars movie, he kills the whatever it was. I don't know what it was. The what? Tom Tom. All right, and he cuts it open and he cleans it out and gets inside to keep warm, right? Like he can't keep warm by himself. So... How, how are we supposed to keep warm? We keep warm with, with community. We get that comfort of biblical community, and it's there for us. And so, like, when you get corrected, it's one of the most uncomfortable feelings ever. Because, I mean, think about the papers, the spelling test papers in third grade. Like, for me, my parents were super involved, and so when I got a test, I had to come home and say, here, Mom and Dad, this is what I made on my test. Which, in spelling, wasn't too bad. In other areas, yeah, it was bad. But there was a comfort 
in knowing the answers because I've studied. And there was comfort in correction when I knew that the teacher was trying to better me. So if I knew that my teacher cared for me and actually wanted to see me succeed, I would be more willing to listen to them when they shared, Adam, you misspelled supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I can't even say it. Right? Like if, if they would share with me how comfortable, like how they wanted me to succeed, I was more willing and comfortable with them to listen to their critique, to listen to their corrections. But if they made no effort to make me feel like they were trying to actually better myself, I had no care to listen to them. It was like, just give me my grade and let me leave. But there is there's warmth in correction when it's biblical community because there is comfort from knowing that they want to see you succeed, not just in this life, but succeed for the kingdom in the eternal life, right? We've got to think more about the eternal than the temporary, driven by eternity rather than by pleasure. And so we read over, flip over to Galatians 6.2, and it says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, I, I want you to think about this. I've been going to the gym. I've actually been going to the gym for a little while. But I've just recently, within the past three or four weeks, started going with someone. And so, when I was going by myself, people used to get really mad at me because I would use this one machine. It's called the Smith machine. But since I was by myself, I didn't really want to crush myself. And so I would put the weight on the Smith machine, which it kind of helps a little bit, but, it, but it's there so, for your protection so that you won't just die when the weight falls on you. So I've got this friend, and I've started working out with him. I've been really excited, fun about it, and I've been really sore. But we've been lifting weights. And the first day, like, we walk in, and it's chest day, so we're going to do bench press. And I'm like, all right, let's throw some weight on. And he's like, we're going to do 135. And I'm like, dude, I got this, no problem. So, like, we start pumping it out. We do like five sets of five, something like that. And like the fourth set, I'm getting on number four. And I come back down and I'm like, Hoot! all right. And so, Hoot! and I just can't get it. Like I'm stuck. And I look like a pansy because I've got 135 pounds on the weight, on the bar. And I can't push it up. And so like, you look really bad being a grown man, not being able to, get this weight at my, like, at my size. I feel like I should be able to get it. And so I'm like, Ugh! and so my, my partner, he has to spot me. He reaches down and he just, I mean, like two fingers on the bar and he's like, all right, let's go. And he just keeps pushing it up. And I'm like, dude, you want to kill a man's pride? You take two fingers and just be like, all right, let's go. Come on. I mean, like, I felt so bad because I'm sitting there struggling. I'm like, oh, goodness. And, I mean, there's other people in the gym. It's not like we work out by ourselves in a garage or something. No, like, we're, there's people everywhere. And I'm, I'm like, my goodness, this just feels terrible because I should get this weight. I should be able to push it up. But I wasn't. And so I had, I had a community there. I had another person there to help carry that weight. They were bearing that burden that was pushing down on me physically, that weight. And they were helping pick it up so that I was not the only one that carried it. And I begin to think about this spiritually. 
How many times do I try to take the spiritual weight of the burden that I'm going through, the trial that I'm going through, or the trial that others are going through, but I'm trying to help carry this burden with them? How many times do I just sit there and try and pull it back on myself and say, I can push it. I can push it off myself. I can take care of it. And I realize that there's no comfort in that because at the point where I reach my limit, where I'm pushing and I go, and I'm stuck, I'm done. Like, the only way to get the weight off at that point is you swallow your pride, you lay the bar on your chest, and you suck all the air out of you, and you just roll it down as fast as you can, right? And it hurts. It squishes all your insides and pushes them ways they shouldn't go. And then you're looking like a real goofball because you're rolling all the weight down your legs and everything until you get out from underneath it. And you're, the pride that you once had is completely gone, has been put in the toilet, flushed, and ran away because you, you, can't, you just can't get over that. But biblical community bears that burden and it says, look, I see you can't get that weight. Let me help you. There's a comfort in that because that weight that was there could crush you. It may not kill you, but it can damage the mess out of your pride, right? It can damage the way that you view yourself, the confidence with which you express the love of Christ to others. It could really hurt the way that you feel like you can share your testimony. But there's comfort in knowing that someone's there to help carry that burden with you, right? And so that was, that was comforting to me to know that that burden is not just being bared by myself, it's being carried by someone else as well. But there's also comfort from biblical community and the presence of Christ. In Matthew 18, 20, it says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. There I am among them. There am I among them. Man. Where two or three are gathered, Christ is there with us, like his presence is there, what greater comfort is there? So there's no greater peace than the Prince of Peace, but there's no greater comfort than the one who comes to give it, the one who comes to share it. And when we're going through a battle, we may not have all the time in the world to make corrections or to feel comfort. Like you think about the, on the battlefield when they're, when they're storming in, into houses and stuff, one wrong move and they're gone. They don't have corrections, they're dead. So when is it time to start looking at our faith that way? Because one wrong move and we're not able to share the testimony of Christ the way that we're supposed to. And that, that makes us frantic. That makes us anxious and like, well, man, I could screw up any time. That's true. But there's grace and mercy in God. His grace is sufficient. And there is comfort in knowing that there is a community here willing to share with you the love of Christ and willing, willing to seek the presence of God in you. Like there's a group at 730 of people who come in here to pray 
just to seek God, to say, God, come open your presence here. Fill this place before anybody else can get here. Like the only people that are here before them are the people that are here to set up so that they can be here. And there is, there is a, a community so ready here to show the love of God. And so, I don't want you to, I don't want you to miss this. Where two or more are gathered, Jesus said, there I am among them. Biblical community is important because it ushers in the presence of God. It allows Him to be there with us, right? And so, as we're thinking about this, this battle, the Battle Ready series, biblical community is a weapon. It corrects when we need correction. It comforts in our anxious moments, but it also combats on our eternal behalf. And that's the third point. Biblical community combats on our eternal behalf. And so Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12 says, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now that, I, I know like a lot of times that's a, a passage used at weddings and stuff to talk about like the husband and the wife and the Holy Spirit and that makes three and so that, that cord's not broken, which is true. But it also applies to biblical community. So this week I've been thinking about and praying through this, this passage and at the same time trying to build a uh, a set for the next gen stuff, trying to build some stuff just so it's all ready. And I'm taking old planks and from these, uh, I can't even remember what they're called now. The uh, pallets, yeah, those things. You know, talk about a brain fart. That was one right there. Nah, so I'm trying to take these, these planks off these pallets and I'm having a terrible time. I didn't have the right tools. And so as I'm preparing for this message, I was like, well, you know, a, three, a, three cold, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Well, I wonder how it works with wood. So I went and found a piece of wood. And I was like, this will be a great illustration. And so uh, I popped the first one. I was like, oh, that's not hard at all. Popped the second one. I was like, all right, so there's my three pieces. I took one plank and made it in three pieces. And then I hit it on my leg, and obviously it didn't break. And so my leg at that point is like, uh, you should stop. And so I was like, well, I need to make sure I can do it for Sunday. So let me get a better piece of wood. And I was going to do this in front of you until I got the better piece of wood. Because I, I broke my one good piece to break. And I had a bunch of full pieces of planks. And so I was like, all right, I got this. And so I'm just, I'm standing there. I go, wham! It's like, ah. And uh, I get really animated. And thankfully, John is like, in the office, but he can't really see where I'm at because he'd be laughing hard. But I, I take it, I was like, all right, well, maybe if I get more leverage, put my hands on both ends of the, the plank, and then I'll just hit it in the middle. Yeah, why not? Let's just try it. And so, again, I just, wham! And I, like, the board didn't flex at all. My knee just hurt really bad. I was like, well, I'm just going to have to tell him about it because I obviously can't show him. And so... I was thinking about how, how that worked. Like, I took a piece of wood, right, that was broken. 
it, I mean, I'd already hit on it, broke it with a hammer a couple of times, and so it was broken somewhat, but I was able to break it. When you have a flaw, when you have a defect, things become compromised. They're easily broken. But when you take something that is pure, something that is full peace, not broken whatsoever, God, and you try to break it, all, the only thing that hurts is yourself. Like God's not broken. He's completely whole. And so I began to think about those three pieces. If, if it's me, someone else, and like in this case, think about it. So Chase and Anya are part of my community group, and they are a part of my biblical community. If you get Chase, Anya, and myself, I'm pretty sure that we can keep this guitar safe, right? Now, if you put myself up here and Chase comes to try and get the guitar, Chase can probably get the guitar. But if you put Chase, Anya, and myself up here, I'm pretty certain that we can hold our own against a few people, right? Because a chord of three is not easily broken, but one who is alone might be overcome by the attacker. So think about that in battle. If you're trying to fight Satan or his demons one-on-one, -on -one, you might be overcome. You might stand your ground for a little while, but eventually he's going to find that hole. He's going to find that knot that's been split by the hammer, and he's going to say, boom, and he's going to snap your back. And you're going to be broken. Not only is your pride going to be hurt, but you're you're going to be feeling like, what can I do? How can, how can God even restore me? But then he takes biblical community. He takes a group of believers to stand there with you, and he puts them behind you. And then Satan tries to bend you over his knee to break your back again, and he can't. Because God's put in place a weapon ready to stand firm. As it says in Ephesians 6, after you have done all, stand. Right? Like, when we've done all we know to do, when we've battled, when we've taken every aspect into account, we stand because we know God is the one that holds us together. And the, the whole, the verse in Proverbs, the 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, that applies here too. Because our, our biblical community prepares us to fight. Right? Like, our community group knows because I like to do this a lot, but I ask a bunch of questions that make us think really hard and will really make you question a lot of things. But I, I do that so that we think, so that we know and we understand what we believe. And sometimes that's what biblical community does. They, they fight you on what you believe so that they understand how you believe it. Now, I'm not saying, like, you make them question their belief in Jesus. I don't do that. But I do question, all right, well, how do you believe this? How, how does Scripture prove, how does Scripture say what you're saying? How do you see the, what Scripture proves your point? Because I think one of the worst things that, that has been done to the American church is we've become stupid. We have become... A, a generation of people who care to know nothing about the Bible but would rather say, you know there's a scripture somewhere in the Bible that says whatever my idea is. And 
I'm, I mean, I fall victim to that. So don't take that as like a slight against anybody at all because I've done that too. But what I'm understanding is that biblical community combats on our eternal behalf and helps prepare us to fight in the fight that we're going towards. It helps prepare us for the battle that we're running into so that we're not ill-prepared, so that we're not dull, so that we're not misshapen, so that we can go in and so that we can slice to the point, so that we can share the Word of God. And so, biblical community acts on our eternal behalf. It corrects the corrections that need to be made. It comforts in the moments of anxiety, and it combats against the enemy who's there to break our back. But, Satan's going to try and lie to us. He's going to try and tell us that, again, even after all this, that you don't need community. This message may not have touched you at all. But I want you to hear this verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins, ruins good morals. You want to tell me that the people you hang out with don't matter? You want to tell me that the things that you listen to don't affect you? I can tell you from... My personal experience, playing sports, lifting weights, if I throw on my headset and I turn on a certain type of music, I can about guarantee I can do what I want. Because it affects the way I'm thinking, it affects my mind, and it affects my motivation. Right? I will push my body to the limits based off of what I hear, based off of what I put inside of me. And that scripture right there, don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. If you think that you can have good morals and hang out with a corrupt group of people, you might can for a little bit. But eventually, bad company ruins it. And so why even associate yourself with it? Unless you are there to express the morals and share the morals, why would you cloud yourself with a community that's there to tear you down? Because a biblical community acts on your eternal behalf just plain old community, what are they there to do? Their attitudes and goals might change. Your attitudes and goals might change. So why not focus on something more permanent, something eternal, the weapon of biblical community that's there to fight for you? And there's a group, I mean, there may be some people here right now that say, look, I have no biblical community. I have no one to share, the, to share with me to help bear the burdens, to correct me when I'm wrong, to comfort me when I'm anxious and to combat when, it's some, when I'm feeling attacked. And I want, you to, I want you to know, you can just look around. There is a group of a hundred or so people in this room right now. And as I look around, I recognize some of the faces and the groups that they're in a good portion of the groups are in community group. And if you're not, I want you to, to be encouraged to go get a part of one. So like you can go up here, you can go online, you can find these community groups, and you can see what they're like. You can see who's in them. You can go with a friend. Like I'm not asking you to just jump in cold turkey to something that you're, you have no idea what it is. Like if you want to come to a community group, come with me. We'll go to Chase and Anya's house and have community group with our community. 
because it's so important that you have a group of people that are there to act on your eternal behalf, that are there to show you the love of God and to stir you to do good things and to fight for you when the enemy's attacking you, that you need that. And so with every head bowed and eye closed, if there's anyone who doesn't have that relationship with the Savior, like, you're like, man, this, this community sounds great and all, but I need someone who can save me. I need community with an almighty God first before I can have community with anyone else. Well, that time's right now because God wants to, he wants to express his love for you. He wants to share the sacrifice that he's made for you. And he wants to love you and show you that. So I'm going to pray a little prayer. And you can, you can pray something like it. The words I say mean nothing other than the, the truth behind them. The truth behind what God's done. So let's pray. God, thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. I ask that if there's anyone in this place that, that doesn't know you, God, I ask that they would take this moment to, to surrender themselves to you to feel your power, to feel your mercy growing in them, Lord. Make yourself known to them. Make yourself apparent to them. And God, let them become a part of this community of believers. Let them experience your love that comes from a community that corrects, that comforts, that combats, Lord. God, that's my prayer for today. Let us experience the love and mercy that you've given And it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.